Hi everyone, this is Tracy Fenton, founder of World Blue and the World Blue Academy, and welcome to the Freedom at Work podcast. I'm here to teach you how to think with a freedom-centered mindset, thrive as a freedom-centered leader, and finally, how to build a freedom-centered culture for your team or workplace. This podcast is about answering one key question. How can you, as a leader, use freedom rather than fear to unleash the full potential of individuals, teams, and organizations in order to achieve breakthrough results and change the world for the better? If you want to explore the answers, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Tracy, and it's great to be with you. Today, we're going to explore how to build a high-performing workplace culture using the proven Freedom at Work system that we teach here at the World Blue Academy. But first, let me ask you a few questions. Does this sound like you? Does your workplace struggle with low energy, poor performance, and disengagement? Do you wish your employees would figure out how to solve their problems and be leaders themselves without always turning to you? Do you wish people would be more authentic and honest at work? Are you lying in bed awake at night stressed out about how to attract the best and brightest talent, scale your culture, and still deliver growth? If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. So many organizational leaders, whether you're running a small business or a Fortune 500 company, a school or a nonprofit, struggle with these and many other workplace culture issues. I want you to instead imagine creating a workplace that's highly engaged, ridiculously effective, and a magnet for top talent, all while growing bottom line revenue multiple times over. How? That's what we're going to be exploring in today's episode. My team and I have been working with top leaders and brands all over the world for over 20 years now. And when I first started doing this work, very few leaders even cared about workplace culture and even fewer leaders understood the direct line between your workplace culture and the bottom line. I'm so glad to say this has finally started to change. And as the talent wars continue to heat up, more and more leaders are realizing that their competitive edge isn't what they do. It's how they do it. I think that most organizational leaders want lower turnover, more innovation, higher levels of engagement, more trust, greater productivity and efficiency, and overall less stress in their workplaces. But the problem is how I see organizations trying to achieve these goals. Most leaders think that they are addressing these culture problems when they do at least one of these three things. First of all, I see leaders trying to build a high-performing workplace cultures through perks and incentives. They offer things like dress down Fridays, bring your dog to work, nap rooms, free lunch, free beer, foosball tables, yoga classes, free tickets, lunch with the boss. You get the idea. The second way I see leaders trying to build high-performing workplace cultures is through technology. They think if they can just get that ultimate collaboration software or that app that helps make everyone more accountable or that program that allows for more transparency, everything will be just fine. The last way I see leaders trying to build a high-performing workplace culture is by trying to hire it. It's so easy to think if you just hire the world's most perfect C-suite leader or manager, everything will be saved. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I think perks can be great for some things. I'm a huge fan of technology that democratizes power and increases transparency and accountability. And I do believe that having a high self-worth CEO or C-suite can get you on the right track to building a high-performing workplace culture. But the reason these three things, either individually or collectively, don't deliver transformational culture results is because none of these tactics address the real root problem that creates toxic and dehumanizing workplace cultures. None of these tactics start in the key place you must begin to build a high-growth culture. None of these tactics address the number one thing you must do to build a sustainable, high-performing culture regardless of who is at the top. And none of these tactics actually teach people how to thrive in a high-performing workplace culture once it is built. What happens is that a ton of money is being wasted on incentives and perks that only create an entitlement mentality and don't bring real meaning or satisfaction to employees. The perks and incentives act like a nice air freshener. They help remove the stink, but everyone knows that there are still dirty dishes in the sink. While technology can be a great Trojan horse of change, often it acts more like a crutch while not really addressing the systemic causes of the cultural dysfunction. And a new top leader can come into a company or division or team, and everyone has to adjust to someone new who may, or may not, really know how to lead. It's a roll of the dice. So if it's not about perks and incentives, or the latest technology, or a cross-your-fingers approach at hiring a new leader, what actually transforms a workplace culture from dis-ease to ease, from dehumanization to humanization, from fear to freedom? I started World Blue over 20 years ago with a deep desire to build workplace cultures where people could realize their full potential and thrive so that everyone and the bottom line would benefit. And over these past two decades, my team and I have worked with leaders and organizations ranging from small companies all the way up to Fortune 500s. We've worked with schools and nonprofits, even sports teams and governments. Overall, we've worked in just about every industry and with leaders in over 80 countries worldwide. When I first started this work, I thought the way to transform an organization into a high-performing, high-growth, and high-energy workplace culture was to change the organization's design. I focused my undergraduate and graduate work on organizational design, and it's what we taught to clients for the first several years we were in business. And through a process of luck and perhaps some divine intervention, it worked. But with more experience and research came more insight, and we soon discovered that there was way more to the equation than we initially thought. Here's what I mean. At World Blue, we've been certifying the most freedom-centered organizations in the world for years now through a very rigorous assessment process we developed. As my team and I researched these top organizations over the years, we realized that organizational design was just one leg of a three-legged stool that must be in place in order to build a thriving culture for high-performance growth. It has nothing to do with perks. It has nothing to do with the flavor du jour in technology, and it has only about 12.5% to do with leadership. Let me explain more. 
as we researched, worked with, and learned from these top organizations, we realized that they focused on three core things in order to build a high-performing workplace culture. First of all, they brought a different mindset to the way they approached building and running a company. Secondly, they brought a different organizational design to the way they designed their organizations. And last of all, they had an entirely different approach to leadership than we'd ever seen before. And you know what? Their approach delivered real results. These three elements to building a high-performing, high-growth, and high-energy workplace culture, mindset, leadership, and organizational design became what we call the Freedom at Work system. We use the word system because it's like building a healthy ecosystem. You've got to have all three parts in order for it to work effectively. And we call it Freedom at Work because of the intention you bring to these three elements. You could bring an entirely different intention to mindset, leadership, and design and get a completely different result. But for us, it was about an intention of freedom in order to get an outcome of freedom. Why freedom? Because we believe freedom creates the optimal conditions for individual and organizational success, period. And we can prove it. And when I say freedom, I don't mean anarchy or a free-for-all or laissez-faire management. I'm talking about real freedom to everyone within the organization, the kind that is only achieved in partnership with real accountability. It's the freedom for an individual to realize their full potential in the workplace in a way that benefits them personally, benefits their colleagues, and of course, benefits the organization as a whole. And it's also about freedom from fear. Do you know what the number one thing is that stymies and kills most workplace cultures, usually in that slow death kind of way? Most people think it's bad leadership that kills, but it's not. Most people think it's a changing industry or marketplace, but it's not. Most people think it's failure to innovate, but it's not. The number one thing that kills most workplace cultures is fear. Yeah, fear. Fear is the number one killer of workplace cultures. Yet most of the time, we are trying to change the symptoms of fear in our workplaces instead of addressing the fear in people's thinking that is causing the problems, poor decisions, and short-sightedness in the first place. So what does fear look like in the workplace? It looks like disengagement instead of engagement. It looks like distrust instead of trust. It looks like masking instead of authenticity. It looks like controlling instead of unleashing. It looks like pretending instead of honesty. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Can I get an amen? (laughs) And the problem is that fear costs us money, big time. All the brain research says that when we are in a state of fear, the peripheries of our brain shut down and we become myopic. We literally get tunnel vision and we end up making really bad decisions. We end up only addressing the short term rather than looking at the long term. And we end up being far less creative, innovative, and visionary, unable to adapt fast enough to the needs of a changing market. And all of that fear makes us not so fun to be around either. So what do high-performing workplace cultures do differently? Well, they address the fear and they choose freedom instead. And that starts with leaders bringing an entirely different mindset to the way they build, 
manage, and lead their organizations. This is where you must start if you want to build a high-performing workplace culture. You must start with a freedom-centered rather than fear-based mindset. I have leaders coming to me all the time asking, how do I motivate my employees? How do I get people to engage more? How do I stop all the drama? All of those issues and many more are the result of fear. So how do you shift your mindset from fear to freedom? First of all, we must acknowledge that it is fear and not something else that's creating 99% of our workplace problems. So often we just think it's that person or that process or that circumstance that needs to change instead of recognizing the mindset of fear that is driving the action, behavior, or bureaucratically maddening process. But what's underneath all the problems is a mindset of fear. So we have to ask ourselves, what would we do if we weren't afraid? How would we solve that problem? How would we take that next step? How would we engage with others if we got really honest and addressed the fear in our thinking and exchanged it for freedom and possibility? That's what the top leaders of freedom-centered organizations do. They bring an entirely different mindset to their organizations, a mindset of freedom, not fear and control. So the starting place is vastly different than most organizations. And when you begin from the right place, you end up in the right place. This is what we teach leaders all over the world how to do, how to cultivate in themselves and in their employees a mindset of freedom, not fear. So the first part of the Freedom at Work system is mindset. Now let's talk about the second part of the Freedom at Work system, which is organizational design. Now there has been and always will be many different theories and methods of organizational design. The problem is that most of them don't address the mindset you have to first have in place in order to practice the method and have it work. Also, most other organizational design methods are practice-based instead of principle-based and are therefore not scalable or adaptable to different size organizations, industries, or geographies. There are really just two main organizational design systems, command and control, or organizational democracy. One is designed to control, the other is designed to unleash. One is designed to limit, the other is designed to cultivate. One is designed to hide dysfunction, the other is designed to uncover dysfunction. One is designed to create fear, the other is designed to mitigate fear. Any other model out there is either some diluted or prescriptive version of these two main organizational models. Most of us know that despite democracy's founding centuries ago, the dominant model of organizational design, whether that design is of a company or a country, has continued to be the top-down pyramid command and control-based model. However, with more and more advances in every area of life, we've seen how the command and control model repeatedly falls short. It's not adaptive to today's fast-paced and interconnected world and global marketplace. It's not appealing to top talent to want to work in it. And it's proven to be too slow, inefficient, and quite frankly, dehumanizing. Command and control organization has had its day. 
I mean, you don't see a lot of people rising up in rebellion so that they can have more command and control leadership in their lives. You don't see people risking their lives to cross an ocean on a tiny boat for more command and control. And you certainly don't see people giving up time with their family, their sense of well-being or dreams to work in a more command and control workplace. No, absolutely not. What do people risk it all for, fight for, and stand for, and have done so for thousands of years worldwide? Freedom. And what's the framework for freedom? Organizational democracy. This podcast episode continues in part two. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to today's show on Freedom at Work. If you like what you heard and you're interested in finding out if you're a fit to work with World Blue, here's what I invite you to do next. Head on over to worldblue.com slash call. That's world and then blue without an E, B-L-U. And book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and explore how to help you develop a freedom-centered mindset, thrive as a freedom-centered leader, or build a freedom-centered workplace culture. Remember, living, leading, and working in freedom rather than fear in order to unleash your full potential does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We have over 20 years of experience working all over the world with top leaders and brands from small businesses to Fortune 500 companies, helping them achieve results with our proven methods and courses. To see if we can help you do the same, head on over to worldblue.com slash call and book a call with our team now. I'm Tracy Fenton, and I can't wait to connect with you soon.